What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Medica! Hey, B! Helmet Habes! There's so many things to talk about. We kind of jumped the gun. Now, granted, how would we have known... But we recorded, I mean, semi-early for us on a Friday morning, you know, 9, 10-ish. And then it feels like around a little after lunch, this bombshell of a thread. I don't think I've ever seen a thread that wasn't like politically motivated or like socially motivated. That was football-wise on something that it was such, it was basically like an article in a thread. And then he actually wrote an article. I have never quite experienced anything like that guy. The only threads that are usually that long, as long as Silver's, I think it was 19 tweets, is when somebody gets, like, fired suddenly and they don't get to, like, say their final piece on the radio show that day, and so they have to tweet it all out. Or, like, that's generally... Or or it's, like, a super happy story. Did you see the story about the guy from Vietnam whose dad, their body, they couldn't find yeah. his body, and then he brought it back, and there was, like, a long thread, and you're like... If you got to read one thing... It's always, if you got to read one thing today, read this. And right. you read it, you're like, ah, oh, this is pretty powerful. This is cool. And you get some of those like once a week. That I, I read the positive ones, not the negative ones, unless it involves football and Antonio, and that was good. Yeah, yeah, that's that was. Uh, do I owe an apology to the Pittsburgh uh, television anchor and all television anchors around the world that I said, you know, I'm always a little skeptical. A TV anchor versus a a, a beat reporter tweet something because the guy tweeted that the Raiders haven't heard from the AB, and then like. An hour later, that thread erupts, and I was like, God, how stupid am I to not, to not believe every A-B story that I see? Well, then, you know, the Raiders.com 2.0 Las Vegas said that they have heard from them. I did a little digging. I've heard that they, they have a camera crew because of hard knocks with it. Like, they knew where he was, so I don't know if that's totally true. But the one thing that is not disputable, and we'll get into later today, is this, we want to call it Helmet Gate? Yeah. Helmet gate. Helmet, helmet gate. Helmet gate. Uh, let's first tell everybody this podcast, you know it's brought to you by Ease. We'll tell you about that in a second. But it's also brought to you this week by Manscaped. Manscaped. We got our, we got our gear, John. We got our gear from Manscaped. Damn it. Uh, I think mine's in the other room. 
Okay, well, we'll pretend this one's yours, too. Um, Manscaped, John. Manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com with the promo code HAM. Manscaped has a redesigned electric trimmer, the Lawnmower 2.0, with proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Guy, I, That's what it says. It's <laughs> true. I, I mean, I, I think we uh, all men can relate. All men can relate. We, we all, I definitely know that I do, have gone into the battle and come out with a few war wounds over the years, and I've had to change my regiment. Uh, you look down there, you're like, ow! And I swear on my life, and I was telling people this last week on Instagram, manscaped.com, the lawnmower 2.0. I Telling people or showing people? Uh, well, I didn't quite show them all. I don't even think Insta would let you. But I, I put that thing up, and I told them with my seal of approval. I promised everyone that I had done a shave last week. And I got mm. pretty aggressive because I had heard the ads like most people. And I swear to you, guy, not only did I not cut, it felt smooth. And then I just turned into a full body you know, shave, and I'm fully, Yeah, I, I look beautiful right now with my shirt off, but it's all because of Lawnmower 2.0, but I'm telling you, the war wounds, we, we've all snagged our, our family jewels, our balls over the years. This thing, it, it has this special technology, it's incredible. Then they give you, the. I mean, if you want to get the package, because we got 20% off that they sent us, I was clipping my toenails the other day, they got some uh, ball deodorant, a moisturizer, they got it all, guy. The anti-chafing, yeah. Uh, why not, right? Yeah. Why not? Right tools for the job, John. How about, how about just how off. small the lawnmower 2.0 is, too? It just fits perfectly. Yeah, it's super um, uh, ergonomic. Yeah. Efficient. It's just very you know. functional. Right. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping, manscaped.com. If you've been thinking, you know, I really want to support the ham pot. I, I, I need a product that speaks to me. Well, this week... This is that product. Well, think about it, guy. It's a double whammy. You support Haberman and Middlecoff, and and you feel great. I mean, it's a win-win. Don't do it for us. Don't do no, it for do, us. Do, it for, uh, do it for your future children that are floating around down there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do it for you. Podcast also brought to you by Ease. Um, Grasslands in full effect. I've been getting, I don't know if you, I, I'm sure you yeah. have been getting Insta Story. I got somebody the other day. It wasn't at Grasslands. It was post-outside lands at the McDonald's drive-thru. A car like five or six dudes yelling promo code ham. Um, appreciated that. But they had partook, partaken. They had also sent me, actually, some video of like some being hooked up to a bunch of stuff at Grasslands. <laughs> that was... Uh, that was uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I got one of those, too. Was that, Matt, was that, that was an, Matt. What's up, was Matt? that an IV or alcohol? I, I don't know. I think it was an IV pre-Ease. But Ease.com, John, promo code HAM, or EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM. Has it all. CBD. I may or may not have or may have got a delivery yesterday from Ease.com. I used the promo code HAM. Got a couple pre-rolls uh, delivered right to my front door. Ease.com, promo code HAM. You can search from everything from pre-rolls to vapes to, to uppers and downers. It has it all. But the CBD, you want a better sleep. School day starts tomorrow. If you're listening to this, it's probably Monday. You want to start your week strong. You want to get uppers, downers. CBD has it all. Relaxation, mind kind of firing things. Again, easewellness.com, promo code HAM, $20 off, over $50 uh, purchase. It's it's a no-brainer, guy. It's really the only way, and I saw you tweet this, to get through uh, not one but two preseason games 
So where do you want to, you want to start Niners or AB? I mean we we already hit on AB a little bit, but yeah, you, I'll, you, I'll follow what your you lead. Up about well, let's just let's start with him because he is kind of the big story in the NFL right now. Yeah. I I decided this morning, Saturday, Sunday morning, as we're recording this, that I don't care what he does with his head. I don't care what he does with the helmet. I don't care if he signs a waiver. The idea that he would hold the NFL accountable. And I saw that story this morning. He would hold the NFL, not accountable, liable if he gets hurt wearing the new helmet. Like, hey, the NFL PA agreed to this. So I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't care, John. I don't care what helmet he wears. I do not care. Now, don't get me wrong. I love talking about this story because it was silver 19 tweets, like you said, incredible thread. Um, and my real big-picture thought on this A.B. helmet story, Middlecoff, is what are the chances this is the last piece of drama with A.B. in 2019? Because he'll be on the football field I, I wearing somebody's helmet. Yeah, he's got, uh, as someone tweeted, over the next three years, he's got 50 million reasons why to play. So he can talk about how he's an entrepreneur and he's got his house paid off. Well, he can have a lot more homes paid off. That, that's a lot of cash. And I think there are two ways to look at it. I, I, people think that, oh, Middlecoff, you're just about to shit on the Raiders and AB. Let me state, I side with Haberman, but even, I, I understand where he's coming from. If you get comfortable with something professionally, which the way that you make your money, it, change is not easy. It's one thing like if an industry changes with a protocol of like a computer or something that's relatively basic. But if that computer, you were comfortable with it, and they want you to have a new computer, and you don't like it, it pisses. My red stapler. They told me they could. I could keep the red stapler. It, it, it pisses people off. And you would say the helmet, like the thing that I have heard, AB's issue with the helmet. He legitimately thinks it's too big, and it bothers him for whatever reason. Now it's kind of funny that he <laughs> took the old helmet and then painted it the new way and snuck it on. The, the, that was a great moment. The leak, but I yeah. think where he, he doesn't quite comprehend. The league has put it on the on the teams, and then the teams have put it on the equipment managers. And if you get nailed, you will get docked. Huge fines, draft picks. Like this is a very, very serious thing. One thing is clear. They have taken safety probably over the top the last several years. I also, I don't know if you've noticed this. They are letting big hits come back. Not on the quarterback, but down the field. They're, they have told, I think, this is a theory of mine that they feel safety now with the equipment is better, and they know the people want the violence. So they're, they have gone over the top with the protection, and they're letting the hits happen a little more and not throw the flags because that's become a problem these last couple of years. But they've also doubled down on the protective equipment. And here's where I would counter and go, A.B., I can't really side with you. If let's say, because when he originally freaked out at the building, and I hope to God Hard Knocks has it, they probably don't because that was in OTAs. When he was pissed off that he said Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers would not be persecuted like I am. They would not be forced to do this if they didn't want to. I, he's like, they are not wearing their new helmet. And then the Raiders, who I give him a little credit for doing their due diligence, somehow find like NFL Network practice footage of Aaron Rodgers, and he's wearing the new helmet. They take a picture and they text it to, to AB. And so he realizes, well, fuck. I mean, my, by the two of my two examples, everyone is acquiesced, guy. 2,000 players in the NFL. He's like a sports talk radio call. Yeah, like, it, forget about research. It, I'm just going to spew something. In the NFL have acquiesced. That's why it's like, well, if a small percentage, but the, but the important percentage 
have had bitched and moaned, then he'd be like, well, he has a point. It's it's a one-off. It's a one-off with with a drama kind of queen. So I there there is an element like this is what you acquired. It's just you know the word that it's just always something. Well, here here is this. Yeah. This is right. it's it, to me the feet. I think even Gruden's like kind of getting his back. Like it was an accident, which I, who knows? I no one knows the story except a couple people probably. But what whatever. Let's just say it was an accident. I, yeah, I, I mean I think it was an accident in the sense that he did not want to hurt his feet. I do think it might have been a little negligent on his part going in there without the booties. He kind of knows the deal. But whatever. This is. Like, this is a problem that no one else is having when a lot of people could be having this problem, so it's clearly not a problem for anyone else but this guy who it seems like always is a problem with something. Right. Would you be in favor of having him sign a waiver and letting him wear his old helmet? But again, I, I fundamentally that? believe in situations like this, when you have a larger group of people, like over 20 or 30, once you make one example, everyone wants that example. So it's like, why even open up like, you, you might have to do it if it was a smaller group of people and it was the important guys. Like, if it was all the top ten wide receivers and seven of the top quarterbacks, you'd be like, well... Well, you know, what, you know what? You know what you just made me think of? Is when the NBA introduced a new basketball, however many years ago that was. And uh, by, like, December, all the players... Everyone was like, we hate this. Well, because they all hated it, it right away. Slippery, right? Y- yeah, and it was supposed... I, I don't remember what the... Was it leather? Or it was, was like a different type of material that... Well, it was like a little rougher, I think, too. And I don't know if it was like cutting up hands or whatever the deal was. And, and the NBA said, okay, you all hate it. Fine. But that wasn't a safety issue, right? Guy, they have gone. The, and again, the Players Association agreed to this. What's been the number one issue the, the NFL has dealt with probably over the last like 10 years? Injuries. CTE. Head injuries. Specifically CTE. Yeah. And, and violence against women, those two things. So, yeah, let's say on the field, CTE and head injuries. They've gone over the top to be protective about it. I saw Jim Trotter tweeted out, this is in every NFL locker room, the list of helmets you can wear and the list of helmets you can't wear. It's pretty. It's just pretty, it's black and white. It's. I'm, I got golf on in the background. They have certain requirements of things you can do, things you can't do. Same deal in uh, basketball is a little different because there's not equipment. Like baseball, right? There are certain weights of a bat corking things you can go up to a level on things that then there's some gray area of like stuff you can put on a baseball and then there's areas that you can't like this is pretty black and white for them and I just don't think he's gonna win out on this one but clearly he has his feet dug in like you said hold them liable they're like well what the fuck are you talking about bro you're just you're being outrageous on this though Again, middle guy, you're just hating. I understand where he's coming from if it is 100% in a good place. Like, he's not just trying to be a drama queen. He's not trying to get in the headlines, which you can never discount with him. Not just trying to avoid practice, but he's already avoiding practice because of the feet. Yeah, see, that's why I don't think it's necessarily that. If it's just strictly because it makes him feel off, which I have heard. he The moment he put it on at the training camp, or I mean at OTAs, it bothered him. It's like it's too big. It just bothered him, and was he was he looking for a reason to be bothered? I don't know, uh, but I, I I get where he's coming from a little bit. Though it, this ain't gonna change. I, I I can't see them allowing him to give a waiver because then there'd be ten other players that would want a waiver. We see it every. That's the way the world works. That's the way life, that's the way humans operate. There is no chance, guy, that he would sign off on this helmet and someone else wouldn't want to do it within a week. None. 
It's just not, it's just, it's a tried and true formula of the way societies work. And I wouldn't blame another guy. You know, if like wide receiver X or corner X, like I want my old helmet too. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would not. Uh, I wasn't sure how to feel about that, but you've convinced me I would not let him wear his own helmet. And again, this is not a Raider issue, so it's on that regard, it's easy for them. No, it's a league issue. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not a Raider issue, which makes it easy for them. They can act like they're on his side knowing that they can't help him even if they wanted to. But I think th- I, their problem is is they have to side with Antonio. He's their best player. But they have to be inside like, this is so stupid. Everyone else on our team is playing just fine. Now, granted, a- Antonio would be like, well, John, 90% of these guys stink, so I don't care that they like their helmet. Uh but it's just like, come on, Antonio, just wear the goddamn big helmet and let's go. But Well, Gruden did go out of his way postgame. To say that he feels for him with the helmet issue. Like, he understands where he's coming from. They tweeted at him, guy, and I tweeted this, and people thought I was being a hater, that, of course, they, like, that, I give them a lot of credit for doing that. Like, that's understanding your player. It's He's very NBA-ish. You communicate with him through social media. Like, that matters to him. He's sensitive like that was a that was smart. People thought I was taking a shot. No, I was giving them a compliment. Like I w- them tweeting that, them cutting that piece and then linking him in the tweet was very progress like that's smart. Well, it's like you know, it's the opposite of acquiring D Ford and then not ca- uh, uh catering to his practice needs. When you acquire Antonio, you acquired a guy who's going to be high maintenance, you better be equipped to put him in the put yourself in the best position to get the most out of him which is what John Gruden did yesterday. Yeah. So I'm with you. Credit. And I, I, Let the, I, I think he's kind of stuck. Like Gruden's kind of in a no-win position, right? Because if, yeah. if he is super mad that this is a pain in the ass, which deep down he kind of has to be, he can't really do anything about it. And, and this is why I think a lot of teams were hesitant to get in the Antonio Brown business because – He's so goddamn good, and any team he would go on to, he'd immediately be, even if you have Khalil Mack or Tom Brady, he's one of your best players the moment he shows up. More than likely, unless you have some elite quarterback or Mack or Donald, he's like your best player. At worst, he's your second best player. Well, those guys get a little bit different treatment. Well, guys like him just do outrageous things, and you always have to kind of support them. It puts you in a weird spot. And then the rest of your locker room's like, what are we doing? You know? I mean, this is just like, I, I'm doing the right thing. And you realize where the people that do the right thing and they never really get heard of, they're, they are probably so often venting just to themselves with the other high character guys. Like, this is so stupid. It's why when NFL people are like, how does Roger Goodell have so much power? You know who doesn't care about Roger Goodell's power? 95% of the league who never gets in any trouble. Like the guy, do you see the who've only met him at like the yeah the the man of the year award banquet yeah or see him at like if they play on opening night and he's there or they shake his hand like they they only know him as like a business acquaintance like do you know who knows him like the dude the defensive lineman Steve Kimecut that he gave five million dollar signing bonus to this May that put a put a gun to a stripper's head that's who that's who beats Roger Goodell you know who doesn't. 95% of every NFL roster. Never, ever meets him beside probably a... Well, he's never in his office, right? He's never yeah. been in his office. Yeah, exactly. They might meet him because he Never gotten a phone call from yeah. him. <laughs> never gets in a formal setting about discipline. And this is... 
this isn't about discipline, but this is something that's this is a pretty black and white deal, Antonio, that no other player in the league has had a problem with. Well, I think, and I thought Friday was like wildly entertaining, but I think what gets lost in all of the talk about his helmet is this is not a guy who's refusing to be on the field at a time when he could be on the field. He's not on the field anyway. It, when is he going to get on the field? Like that to me is the biggest Antonio Brown story. When is he going to get on the field? He's not on the field, John. Well, the one thing, one part of Gruden's talk or post-game press conference, when he's basically saying everyone's making fun of Antonio, it's not a laughing matter. And I was like, you know, he probably he has a point, like because to him it's not a laughing matter. His feet are fucked up. So some of these doctors, I think the hard part for all of us, we go. Trent Taylor has a slightly broken bone in his foot. Yeah, he's going to be out a while. Like, we have an idea of weeks, a month, two months, whatever. We've never frostbite. I mean, Google the Donner Party. I don't know. Do you end up, you're going to lose a toe? Are they going to be okay? <laughs> no one has any clue these injuries that cover sports because you never get frost, unless you cover, like, the climb to Mount Everest. I, I've never, this is a, this is a first, guy. I, I, I think a lot of us, fans, us, whoever, there's just so much unknown. We don't even know what to say. Like, when's he coming back? I don't know. Tomorrow or in a month? Who knows? I, I don't know. And I see a lot of the Dr. Chows and doctors. How often have any of these people dealt with frostbite? It's a, it's a very, very unique injury. How many people do you know or ever met that have ever brought up, you know, the one time I got frostbite, right? You meet a lot of people, you know, I tore my ACL skiing. You know, I broke my leg when I was in sixth grade jumping off the playground. You know, I broke my toe like I did walking around my apartment years ago. You know, I hurt my elbow pitching in baseball. Like, a lot of people, you've heard most injuries, not even from professional athletes, just from humans. I, I tore my Achilles playing pickup hoops. I was 40 years old. I've never met one person that had frostbite. So I know nothing about it. And you can read about it, but I think the problem is, I don't know how severe it is. Because clearly it's not like life-threatening. When I, I mean, not life-threatening, but like foot-threatening, right? Where they got to cut off right, toes, toes threatening. or feet. Yeah. But is it something that you have to just stay off your feet for a month? And clearly he's not staying off his feet for a month, so I, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, I think Gruden said it pretty perfectly. Like, this is a pretty serious injury, which to me is probably the more serious part than the helmet. Now, the helmet yeah, is technically exa- serious if he refuses to play. That, yeah, to me, when he's healthy and still isn't playing because of the helmet, that's when I'll care about the helmet. Like, actually care. I think we both agree there is zero chance that he's not playing. If he can play. Once the games start. Right? Right. Because he makes, you know, guy, if you make $19 million a year and you have a 17-week season, I'm not a math major, but that's a little, if you get 17 direct deposits, it's a little over a million a direct deposit. Got a million reasons that they want to go. Give me a million reasons to hit the show. What do you think that feeling is? And as Silver said, he checks his bank account. And I said, Mike, fuck off. Peruses. Okay. Peruses his bank account Mike, Mike, with an S. I, I would peruse them too. 100%. The moment, I don't blame The AB moment you get to a point in your life where, where you don't make a million dollars, you make a million dollars a week. <laughs> What's that well, feeling like? I don't know about no, you. Yo, taxes got me. What? I, I still got 627000 this week. Woo-hoo-hoo. You know, I don't know about you. I, uh, I, I'll, sometimes I'll find myself in the little um, 
in just this this run of I'll be on Twitter and then I'll close it and I'll go to Instagram and then I'll be back on Twitter and then I'll be back at Instagram. Like that's my rotation. It's two things. Boom, 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 boom. If I was AB, it'd be three things. It'd be Twitter, Instagram, bank accounts. Twitter, Instagram, bank accounts. Bank accounts, Instagram, Instagram, bank accounts, bank accounts, Instagram. Yeah, there, there would never be whenever that day of the direct deposit, I wouldn't check it out. Like, what do I want to do with this today? Do I want a little move a little over here? Do I want to put a little here? Do I, I kind of want to invest in this. Oh, shit, I want an apartment. I'll pay cash. Like, there, there was some clip. Uh, I, I said it to someone, I guess, when they were negotiating Balmer to buy the Clippers. That, uh, that at one point, here's what Donald Sterling tells Steve Ballmer. I'm curious about one thing, Ballmer recalls. Of course, what's the question? Donald looks at him and says, you have two billion? Question? We all started cracking up. And Ballmer said, yes, Donald. And then, and then Sterling said, you have two billion in cash? And then Ballmer said, don't worry, I have the money. I can call the bankers and they can verify the funds. Sterling starts laughing and he looks at him and goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Balmer looks at him and says, what do you mean? Sterling says, why would anyone have $2 billion in cash? You should invest the money or pay off your debt. You'd be stupid to have that kind of cash. And it just shows, God, Donald, you're an idiot. <laughs> well, he's about to give it to you. Yeah. But I think my point is that just even a super rich guy couldn't quite comprehend. Like, I think even rich people can't quite comprehend when you make that type of money, because most humans, even super rich people, do not make $20 million in a year. Like If you have a really successful business and you had profits of a million dollars, a lot of times business owners reinvest profits to avoid taxes. It's not like they don't get salaries of these type money unless you're like the CEO of major companies. This is an astronomical amount of money that most humans never turn down. Even professional athletes at the end of their career, let alone a guy in the peak of his career. Let the uh, let the record show that I went back through your Twitter, through your tweets, John. Yes. And um, while you did tweet about 49er injuries, I was like, did he tweet about the Max Crosby injury? Because if he didn't, I'm going to roast him. Where's your tears for Max Crosby? But you did. I did. So so, But he, then he came back in the game and he was fine. He broke his hand. But then he came back. Well, it turns out he has a broken hand. So why did he come back in the well, game? Well, I don't think they knew. I, don't I know thought the, they announced the broken hand early in the game. No? I, I thought that he had just fucked up his hand, and he left, he came back, but it turns out after the game he has a broken hand. But here's where I went wrong, guy. I said, yikes, their best defensive lineman. Well, what does that do? Sets off a fight. The best defensive lineman? I, 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 have you seen Mo Hurst? Yeah, I have. He's a marginal rotational starter at best, probably a good backup. Max Crosby, if you ask their coaches is their best pass rusher. So if you're the best pass rusher on a team, you're the best D lineman. What about Cleveland Farrell? He's not as good as Max Crosby right now. Ask Mike Mayock. I haven't directly, but I know people have had, and that's his answer. Max Crosby is their best defensive lineman. Now, again, this is not your typical defensive line. It's the worst defensive line in the NFL. Now, that's not a hater See, see now, now you that, had to go that, do that. That's just reality, guy. That, that is I, what I, that's NFL fine. I don't say. care. <laughs> I just I don't want to hmm. talk about their D line. See, this is too. We're too yeah, deep we're too for week deep. one of the preseason. No, we are. <laughs> the Niners though can't but, get anybody but, healthy, so do, John. What? Do you expect as we sit here recording this on a Sunday, Antonio Brown is is suited up, new big helmet, Monday Night Football, second game, seven thirty kickoff, week one? No clue. 
If you had to guess. It has to do with his feet. If his feet are healthy, then he's on the field with the big helmet. Or with somebody's helmet, I don't care. I don't give a shit which helmet. Would it be pretty funny if he tried to fake the old helmet with new uh, old colors? Yeah, it would be. Would you like to know who painted the helmet and what the picture I, of the helmet looked like? To me, it's got to be just a guy, an Instagram, a guy who like that's what I heard. They makes shoes on Instagram. Yeah, probably a shoe guy or like a car body shop guy, something like that. Who car body shop? Who, who Antonio News that was glad to do it. Said, "I got you, dog." Yeah, but clearly the paint artist. job, like it stood out to the equipment guy, it was like, "What are well, we doing?" Like anybody that's an expert on anything, if you're an expert on, if you're the equipment guy, you can spot a, the wrong helmet within 13 milliseconds. You can tell that helmet's not like you go ask an equipment guy. I bet they know it's the Rydell 3001A. Like that one's not allowed. The O2B and the O7C, those are allowed. Like they all know. Well, if you do now that I've thought about it because of this, when you do look at them, the new helmets do look a little bigger. Like they look. Well, they, the helmet they, he's wearing looks like it's from 1970 compared. Well, because it's helmet. really skinny. The the one you know how a globe like the circular it kind of has a feel of just I could tell. Yes. If you're used yes, to skinny, you can one, tell in a second. It bothers you. <laughs> you can tell in a second. Yeah, you can tell quickly. But I think he'll be on the field week two for Monday Night Football. What do you think? Week two. Is that what you said? Week one. Week one. Whatever. Yeah, I, I, yeah. If his feet are healthy, I, he's playing. You're, well, yeah, but that's what I said too. But the question is, do you think he'll be on the field with no? Do you think that'll happen? He'll be healthy enough to get on the field week, week and one. And that gets back to frostbite, which is like one of the weirdest injuries yeah, I think we've I'm ever just saying, heard. If you had to bet right now, do you think he'll be on the field? How, if, if you had to give me a like. If I had to bet ten dollars, yeah. If you're like yeah. middle class, well, if, if I had to bet anything, I'd bet against I'd be like, Ugh. just right now. Do you think he'll be on? Or would you be surprised? But if I said, if guy, you got to pull out a thousand dollars. Would you feel but, confident uh, uh, saying yes? No, no, no. But it, but that's that's obvious. I'm just saying. Do you think right? What would surprise you more? He's on the field or he's not? I mean, not, but... Because I still think most of this is pretty stupid, and at the end of the day, he'll be on the field and we'll be like, what was all that about? But I think that's where we get back to. The helmet thing ultimately is kind of stupid. The feet are not stupid. And to me, if it's like his feet are still fucked up week one, that's not that crazy, right? Of course. Do you think he'll be on the field? Uh, yeah, I, I would lean yes, not confident. Okay. Uh, that's I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, all right, 49ers. Now... We know when they're going to be on the field. The problem is they're all hurt. Trent Taylor's got foot surgery. Sneaky Jones fracture out of the blue. Um, D linemen falling left and right. Offensive linemen, swing tackles. Everybody's out, John. What a mess. If you told me within, by the end of the first quarter, we'd learn from the, the, uh, the TV analyst who broke the news. Oh, by the way, Trent Taylor got hurt. I was like, what? Not only got hurt, he broke his foot and is out. Like, that's a pretty big injury. Especially when he's your starting slot receiver, and if you talk to people or go to these practices, that's who Jimmy fucking throws you all the time. Their swing tackle, which doesn't mean much to the casual fan, well, it's an important position. You usually keep eight, seven to eight linemen on your 53. Two of those are usually couple guards and centers, Usually a backup center, a swing guard, and a swing tackle. Your swing tackle is pretty important because a tackle can go down at any moment. That guy plays both spots. This guy didn't just go down, guy. He had an air cast, and he was carted off the field, and it looks like, I think someone said this morning, multiple months, like I'm just assuming season over. Like it's, When Niners, I assume season over. So in a, in a moment of, by the end of the first quarter, they had lost their swing tackle, and we had learned they had start, lost their starting slot receiver. I, it does not improve. Like, what, what the fuck's going on, guy? 
Is it just the craziest rash of injuries we've ever seen? Or is there a problem? Don't know. I mean, it is a problem that they can't fix. Like, they have an issue right now. Yeah, the question is, is it a fixable problem? I, I, I mean, it's fixable for all these other teams. They don't lose people at this rate. Think about, well, but think I, about this week. Injury, like injury health, like the Niners went to the Super Bowl, they were the healthiest team in the NFL. Suddenly, several years later, that training staff couldn't keep anybody on the field. So I don't know. Now, I think part of the reason they changed training staffs, right, was didn't John Lynch say they had it? They, want, they all wanted everybody, like Under there the were certain umbrella. ways. Yeah. Yeah, but also he made some comment about like how there's, you know, we can't have anybody doing their own thing. I don't, I don't know. But my point is just that training staff that had a bunch of hurt guys last year had a bunch of healthy guys the year they went to the Super Bowl. They were like the second or the first healthiest team in the NFL. So I don't know. I agree well, you, with you. It's a problem. You, you, I don't know what to, I don't know what anybody can do about it. The team with most, most injuries in the league are right near the top. In a week span, lost four starters. And maybe one of them, D. Ford, will be ready for week one. I, I, I'm not sure. Bosa, on the fence. Trent Taylor, out week one. This guy, not a, this guy's not a starter, I guess, but he dresses Col- on game day, out. Tell about yeah. Coleman, the offensive lineman. Yeah. Sean Coleman. Plus Rich Brig and Garnett. Guy Garnett has a broken finger and he hasn't played. Is he gonna make the team? Did he make did he, did he get surgery? Yes. Uh yeah, I mean to me, because I don't have an answer for I don't even know who's I, I don't know. Is this somebody's fault? But, uh, but we do know I we I have no luck, solutions. We but, know it's a problem. A major yeah, problem. But 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 if, but that's something everybody knows, right? Like to me the question is like what what then did they construct this roster well enough to be prepared for the worst after they had a season where everybody was hurt? Were they prepared for everybody to get hurt again, or at least better prepared for a bunch of guys to get hurt? Is the answer you can't possibly prepare for this month's injury? I don't know, but like you said to me before we started this podcast, the response should be nobody of any consequence steps on the football field. Like, does this make you rethink playing Jimmy Garoppolo week two? It would for me, but Kyle said yesterday's plan. It would make me rethink it also. I, I, I would not. As someone who has wanted to play him. Sorry, I'm talking through water. As somebody who's wanted to play him. Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what you do. People are like, what's your solution, John? I don't have a fucking solution. This isn't my job. My, my job is to be critical of when shit goes wrong, and I'm ready to do that because shit's going wrong here at, at, a, at a rate that's just incredible to watch. Like, it's not – I follow the league pretty damn closely. This is not normal. The Cowboys guy, and I give a lot of props – and there is still some old school nature in a lot of guys. Andy Reid, starters playing both sides of the ball at the first quarter. Jerry Jones, starters playing first quarter. Now, I think a big thing for those two teams, and specifically Andy, Andy doesn't do joint practices. He's a little old school, like Al Davis in the sense, like, I'm not letting you see my operation. I don't want you to see my players, don't want you to see my plays. Where Belichick, he's the opposite, right? He's got, they're doing another joint practice this week. He, he, he does multiple joint... He, I think he's averaged two joint practices for the last 10 years. He loves them. Now, he does them with his guys. But still, like, Jerry Jones... Jerry's done them. But him and Jason, they believe in playing your starters. Like, I was I was like, God, is that Leighton? Who are these fucking Cowboys linebackers? Where'd they find these guys undrafted free agents? I'm like, that's Jalen Smith. <laughs> he looks like uh, Patrick Willis crushing people. Oh, Leighton Vanderesh. You know, who's the Colorado corner they have? A, a Wuzier? It's like he's lighting guys up. Chido- like, yeah, Chidobia was here. I mean, they, they, I love their defense. But I, it looks first, to me... I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. It looks to me right now, just looking at the entire league's injuries, 
The Niners have, is it 12? Uh, it's the most. I'll tell you that. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Second is the Eagles with 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Is there an injury site? At ESPN.com slash NFL slash injuries. Gotcha. Like, could name, quick, name, quick, name uh, like, like, Google search. Rattle me off a couple Eagles. Uh, like they're, I can tell you there's one on the Ravens. It says only one, which shocks me. And you know who it is? RG3. Yeah. Uh, Eagles. Um, Sudfeld broke his wrist. Blake Countess, safety, hamstring injury Thursday night. Lane Johnson, knee. Derek Barnett, shoulder. Dallas Godert, calf. Nate Sudfeld, you said that, QB. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway, defensive tackle, Thursday preseason. Charles Johnson, Thursday preseason, receiver. Deshaun Hall, Thursday game, shoulder. Boston Scott, ankle, didn't play in the uh, Thursday game. Casey Tucker, tackle, concussion. See, I'd say this, just hearing their – Who actually was a waiver guy. He, hearing their list, Lane Johnson, knee, he's been banged up. Okay, that's Goddard, you know, I mean, not their starting tight end, but they draft in the second round. He's a major piece of what they do. Sudfield's their backup quarterback. But a lot of those guys you listed are undrafted free agent types and what's-his-name shoulder – Barnett is it's I think he did that last year, so he's coming back from it. Okay, but we got to put Jason Verrett in that category, just hurt guy. Right? Yeah, but my, my point is that like so they got four guys that really matter. It does seem like the majority of those guys hurt in the game are people that Howie ain't losing much sleep over, right. which isn't still not ideal. Like Lane Johnson is, I mean, they, those are important players. If you list the Niners, you're going to list like eight guys that I mean either start or matter on game day. Because like yesterday, right? Lose- but but I guess, but what I'm saying, I don't know that you can. When it comes to when we're talking about how many guys get hurt, can we separate those? Like, yeah, because I, if, I don't if mind we're talking about a some, free agent with the three. Well, of course, I'm just saying if we're talking about it being somebody's fault, the number is what matters, not the person per se. But I think we all Although, agree is like it's. I don't know whose fault it is, and I, I'm not a medical doctor, but I do know this because people Middlecoff like you're, yesterday on Twitter, you're piling on. Well, the 49ers showed us they blamed people for this. So they did it. Like, Yeah, but they might have been wrong well, yeah, but, about but, that. But my point is that they went out of their way to show us that they believe it's an issue. You're right. I, I don't know if they're right or wrong. I, I, I don't know. Because Fergie, the trainer they had, it was fine. Like you said, when they went to the Super Bowl, did he just forget how to help people? You know, No. Is it a little random? For sure. But it's something. Is it the type players they're acquiring? And you, because Fergie might argue, and that's the old 49ers trainer that was fired, be like, well, they just kept drafting, you know, yeah, what's hard about like, you, you guys signed Marquise Goodwin, you drafted Nick Bosa, you got Jarek McKinnon, you added Jason Verrett. But just think of the, brought in think of the stretch that, right? that Balky started seven years ago. Lattimore's, the Tank Carradines, all those types. It's like every guy you hurt, right. every guy you hand me from the draft starts on the side. You know, it doesn't even start at practice. E- even look at this draft guy. Bosa, always an injured guy. Jalen Hurd, who I'm sure we'll get to here in a minute, he did show up injured, right? He showed up as a draft pick injured. Now, he looks awesome. He's going to be fine. But if he gets hurt, is that random? Or it's like, well, you did draft a hurt guy. Right. So I, th- there's an element of just... I've, I, I probably started off in my scouting theories of who to draft and who not to draft, much more Al Davis types, high ceiling, take swings for the fences. Because Andy's a lot like that. Like, 
fucking talent matters. And I don't know if you watched saw any Chiefs highlights. I think they won like thirty five oh. to seventeen. They they got dudes everywhere. How how do they always have the fastest guy on the field, but it's a different guy? <laughs> but you're like, oh, What's the that guy's w- name? Well, Harmon, the one guy that scored on the end around. Harmon, yeah. But they drafted that guy in the third round. The thing with the Chiefs is you look up, you're like, oh, Andy's fucking running it in. He's got the ones in the third quarter. You're like, no, it's the third quarter. He's got like fours in, and they're flying around. So he, I, I, I like speed. I like high, you know, end guys. But I do think seeing the Niners... I would probably, if I had to run it and I was Lynch, I might go the Chris Ballard strategy and just go with, like, all high floor guys. Just double. Hit double. Yeah, and just because more than likely, and I was talking to a buddy in the league, is like, if you only did that, now it's hard when you're drafting the top five, but once you just get semi-respectable and just get to the teens and then hopefully become a playoff team, your team will never suck. Now, you may like miss on a pick, but you'll hit on a lot more draft picks as the rounds go. Because think about this. Like, the Packers are a good example over the last 10 years of you'd watch Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers was on his peak and be like, God, they still have a lot of holes that Aaron makes up for. Because their drafting strategy, and we saw Reggie do this with the Raiders, is you take a lot of height, weight, speed guys. Where Chris Ballard and like the Belichick and kind of that mindset is much more like, I'm all about love football guy. You can be less of an athlete, but football's your life. Right. And, and you get a guy that, what happens when you roll an ankle? Fuck it, I'll see you practice tomorrow. Where I think when you get the super high ceiling guy, when they play skill positions, like wide receivers, and that's why Jalen and Debo stand out, because they're like, well, those guys are tough guys. Like when you get a bunch of soft receivers, well, in the NFL you get hurt. And like Odell. Odell ain't practicing at 85%. He can't, he doesn't know how, and he doesn't like it. He's a Ferrari. Now, when he's 100, he's awesome. But he can't, like, Keenan Allen can play at 78% and function. Odell can't. Antonio, I think he kind of can, but he's in a weird spot right now. The Niners need more guys like that. Just more Joe Staley's, McGlinchey's. They're, they're 80%, it doesn't even matter their plan. Like, everyone's like, well, Middlecoff, you said that Jalen and Debar are going to start. What about Marquise Goodwin? I... I, I wouldn't trust Marquise Goodwin in a in an NFL game as far as you can throw him. I get he's the fastest guy on the team. I get he he won a million dollars that they still haven't paid him for running the forties against all the NFL players. You know he can go to the Olympics if he wants us in Sochi or Kuchar or wherever the fuck the place is. I don't trust him as a football player because I know the moment he is not his video game number is not at hundred percent and he's at ninety three percent guy. All of a sudden, he's like, I don't know if I can go. Kyle's like, well, I built my entire game plan around you. And I, I don't blame Marquise anymore. That's where I come at it from a different angle now in life. I blame the coach. I blame the GM. Like, you're in bed with this guy, and he's not. Like, I understand where the Raiders are with Antonio. He's Antonio Brown. When you were the guy that, like, what has Marquise Goodwin ever done? I don't know. But they they view him like he's this established player. I was, I was reading Barrows or Lombardi or one of those guys this morning in The Athletic. That said, they took a different approach this to this this game yesterday with Akello and with Dante Pettis. They didn't treat them like veterans. They treated them like you're just you got to prove some shit. So they played. And Kyle said it after the game, like I want to see these guys compete because they thought both of them, especially Akello, got a little complacent. Like he was treated like he had arrived. Hmm. Well, they did. Where was Marquise yesterday? I, I, every wide receiver. If that's the if that's the mindset you're going to take, he should be out there. Now the counter would be well, he gets hurt easy, so why waste yeah, it? Which I wish I would subscribe <laughs> to that because if he's out there yesterday, he gets hurt. Which again, you just have to assume 
you can't you you can't build a game. But you see how you have to do all these counter arguments with these type players. Where Chris Ballard just has like, you know what? I took Roxine. I get whatever the guy's name is from uh, Temple. My corner at the early in the second round. I, I I think for the next five years he's going to play in most of my games. Is he going to give up some plays? Sure. Is he going to tackle and always start and always play? Yes. He's just a tough guy. I don't even worry about it. And I think the Niners need more guys like that. And I think sometimes with offensive coaches and Lynch is so new that it's I I understand why you take the higher ceiling injured guy. I, I get it. I'm I'm not saying you're an idiot for doing it. It just it has not worked out for the Niners, you know, dating back to Bulky. Bulky was king of it. it it's, a, it's a philosophy that can get you. Reggie did it a lot. Oh, oh, who they, who? Mario Edwards. You see, and I was, I was like, God, God, you see Mario Edwards? What a fun second round? Five star? Is he even yeah. in the league? No. I mean, they just, the non-love football guy, the super talented guy, lets you down way more than he makes you look like a genius. I mean, it's a tried and true formula. Let you down so much. So much. And I, I think the Niners are in bed with too many of those type guys right now. That's why, to me, like you said in my tweet, those guys, those two guys, Jalen and Debo, stand out immediately. You're like, whoa. That's, and you know what they just look like? Like normal teams, wide receivers. <laughs> let's, let's talk about them. I mean, I, I think what you, <laughs> what you tweeted was like, these, little, these look like Farhan guys. Like, they're new. The second they show up, they look like they're the best. And I was thinking this watch of the game, like how much do I have to take this with a grain of salt just given that it's a preseason game? But uh, given that a lot was expected of them, them playing like that was not a surprise. I didn't know that they would necessarily look that way. But if they didn't, I think we'd be sitting here today talking about how it has to be disappointing that they didn't because so much is invested in them. Completely agree. They also got the treatment like you guys, just because you got drafted high, you haven't arrived. They were kind of treated like undrafted free agents. Uh, Pettis, Richie James, and Kendrick Bourne got to play a bunch early in the game. Those guys didn't really kind of come in until later in the second quarter, then the second half. They said, okay, you're going to make us wait for our time? We're going to run circles around everyone, as they should. And the Cowboys are rolling out practice squad dudes, and they kick the shit out of them. So I think it immediately shows, like, these guys are better than those other guys. Like, Kendrick Bourne's not good enough. Richie James will get you beat. You cannot rely on those guys. They, they will get you beat in the game. They cannot catch the ball. Jalen, clearly he's really skilled, but to me the thing that really jumped out on his first touchdown was he lowered his shoulder at the goal line against a safety. Like, that's just, yeah. that's the guy that's fighting people. That's, it wasn't clear when he caught the football that he was definitely going to score. Well, does Dante Pettis score or Marquise Goodwin score with two guys at the three-yard line? No well, chance. I mean, Goodman, can he beat them to the spot? Maybe? But he ain't running through anyone, right? No, yeah. And Dante, not either. I, I mean, I, Deshaun might just slide. You know, I mean, it's not, I don't think you need to lower your shoulder right there. But to me, that's a positive. Like, okay, I am enormous. I'm going to run you over. I'm going to fall in the goal line. Like, that's a mindset that guy has. Like, of course, that's the guy fighting people. He's tough. He's a tough guy. And to me, Debo plays, I don't know if Debo's a tough guy or not, like his personality. Like, I don't know if he's starting fights or whatever. But he plays like a tough guy. Contested catches. You run yeah, it hard. Come back to that ball from CJ. Yeah. Remember, you just saw when you see him, remember his legs, his ass is huge. Yeah. And you go, that guy just looks physical, right? He has a physical body. If he wants to play that way, he can and so, 
you know, I mean, like, if you told me, this is where I think it's kind of interesting, is let's say the Niners come out week one. Is it a good thing if Jalen Hurd and Debo Samuel are starting wideouts and they beat out Dante Pettis? Or is that a bad thing or is it not a thing? It just doesn't matter. But I, all but they I, drafted all three, whichever ones are the best. I think it's whatever ones are the best. But I actually think if Dante Pettis is going to have success, and if you're the Niners, you're still wanting to have success. You traded up to get him. He's a second-round pick. He is what he is. But you can't have three of him. Like, when I was in Philly, we had Jeremy and Deshaun. Like, it was just a little too soft. If you would have had Deshaun and Mike Evans or Jeremy and Crabtree, like, you need a balance. Well, you get these two guys to go with Pettis. Pettis should be happy. His other two counterparts are tough guys. You can't have Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. That's just too soft. You will lose. But you can have these two cats and Pettis and Marquise and kind of intermix them all with Kittle. You're like, okay, I got something. Right. Well, I think you're so right because I and I, you know, we go back to when he was drafted. I I viewed him as kind of a number three NFL receiver. I was surprised they drafted him in the second round or that he was a second round pick. But if he can also return, fine. But I think you nailed it, man. Like to maximize him, he needs to not be the first or second best option. But you you called his games in college, right? Yeah. You had been around the program. Did it ever feel like? It always felt like everyone was blowing their defense and their DBs were the guys like, that's an NFL guy, that's an NFL guy. Not that Pettis wasn't an NFL guy, but I kind of look at him like Colton Miller. Now, Colton went a lot higher, but both those two guys, when you're viewed that highly in NFL circles, and it may have turned out only by a couple, you usually feel their presence when you're around the program or watching the game on TV, right? Because it's usually yeah, you're talking th- about To me, guy. the difference was he played such a premium position and had been... The year prior, him and John Ross were just outrageously explosive. Um, and then he comes back, and he's their number one guy. It's harder to have as good a year because there's no John Ross, but he still is an electric returner. So he, like, to me, he was every bit as impactful just in terms of everyone was talking about him as a college guy. But it wasn't like Nikhil Harry was every bit as impactful as a college guy. As the one. But it, yeah, but it was, what is he going to be as a pro was a part of that conversation. Whereas with Pettis, it was just, this guy's amazing here at UW. I, it was never like, wait, wait till he gets to the next level. You just articulated what I was trying to say. And usually when a guy is a no-brainer pro, we, like, we were talking about Amari. G- Jerry Judy's a good example. Every time Alabama plays, going to be like, how good is this guy going to be on Sundays? When you hear Vern, I guess not Vern anymore, whoever calling Alabama games, it's going to be Nestler. this guy is a Sunday player. Like that's in the vernacular in, in September. And that never quite felt that way with Dante. Though, once he broke the record, were you calling the game he broke the record? Uh, uh, I think he tied Deshaun Jackson. But like when he ties, so the moment he ties, I remember you had the call, got tweeted out, went viral. And. You're in the same sentence as Deshaun Jackson. What's the average football fan going to be like? Oh, this guy's an NFL player. Like he's a dynamic. Why is he not? Why does he return punts? How is he not returning punts? It was literally his greatest asset in college. He broke a record of a guy. Well, he's just a college player. No, that's to fucking Deshaun Jackson. Don't do you agree that you have to give this guy a try to return some punts when that's something that he had a lot of success with in college? This is where I, I think so. Yes, like. That's my basic answer is yes. But again, like, well, if he's also your number one or number two receiver, it just feels too risky to me. But uh, but I'd say this. Deshaun, Odell Beckham, Patrick Peterson, they were drafted a lot. Well, I guess Deshaun wasn't, but the other two guys were drafted in the first round. 
early on in their career, even when they started on offense, they returned. Right. Like it's it, no, I, I know. it's not unheard of. No, no. Right. I I think you can put them back there. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a bright spot. Those two guys dominated as, as they should. I mean, they're just good good players. Now the problem sometimes with these preseason games is just, you know, when you're scoring touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you're not going against guys that you're ever going to see on Sundays. But you just chalk it up. That's what they should do because they were drafted high. And then I think the question is, well, like, why are they why are they still in the game? Like, well, Richie, you get Richie James in there. Like, get these guys out. They're they're too good for this. Which is which is a positive. But the 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 record was he passed Deshaun for the Pac-12 record. Does he own the NCAA record? Uh, yeah, I think because I think is it Welker did it. But that, again, see see the names you throw out. Yeah, like, this is when you throw out these names. It's not like oh that guy just great college player. I mean we've thrown out two names, so, two guys. Yeah, he passed Welker. So a Welker and Deshaun, and usually that translates. And it translated for both those two guys as punt returners. One of the way one of the ways Welker dominated early on in his career, and I think where he caught the eye of I don't know this guy named Bill Belichick was returning punts as an undrafted free agent. Obviously, Deshaun was drafted much higher and played immediately, but Andy had him returning punts the first couple years. I was there. I think his my first year was his third year. He was returning punts. Might have been his second. Maybe it was his third. Yeah, it was his third. He was he was our punt returner. Now, once you once you get a risky hit or whatever, you pull him off. But I don't know. I, I I'm a big believer. You have to do it. Well, this is where I go back to. I think Debo and Jalen Hurd being good makes me more open to it. Right? If those guys are good, then then I don't need as much from Dante Pettis in the past game, and I feel a little better about putting him out there on punts. I feel less confident. Just watching their team, like they are, and we knew this before, but you just watch preseason game. Like I think they can make the playoffs, but their margin for error is zero. You know what's funny is that you and I have been and part and again we p- uh, people like middle class. You keep calling it a playoff team. I also think that nine and seven might win this division. I the because the Niners are definitely not like an eleven or twelve win team, but I think this division is not as good. That, that's part of my deal. Like if they played in the I, NFC East. You would not hear me calling the Niners a playoff team, or 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 I, think, I have a chance. Yeah, but but to me, it's there's a nuance there. Like you and I have been obviously really high on Jimmy, but I think we've talked openly. More, I think we talk more about their flaws than we do their positives as a team. Like way more. Like a lot of people, you know, it's become kind of a trendy for some people to pick them to make the playoffs. I think we talk about it more like they need to make the playoffs than like we. They're ob- they, I don't look at them and think they're obviously a playoff team, right? Yeah, and I certainly. The preseason did not help uh, in that regard, but it's preseason, so okay. But well, part of it is their most talented guys. I can't depend on them playing in games. Like I, and this is what happens. Like I think Jalen Smith is a good example of this. He's a great example of everything that Balky ever hoped when he took an injured guy. You take an injured guy, and for all we thought of that first year was like, God, that was a risky pick. Jalen's never going to be the same. He's got drop foot. Remember that first year? It was like, you know, he looks okay, but he's slow. Then last year, he not only just started, but he looked like the old Jalen Smith, Wally Pip, Sean Lee. They draft Vander Esch, and it's all of a sudden is like, are Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith now the Willis and Bowman of the league? And then you're watching last night, about three plays in, they're just crushing people. And Jalen looks awesome. 
you no longer view Jalen Smith at once because once you play three straight years and never miss a game, I don't refer to you as drop foot always injured guy anymore, right? You just Jalen Smith's a badass. Like how much Jalen Smith gonna get paid? You, you know what's underrated about the Cowboys is Stephen Jones talking scheme publicly. Yeah, he was getting made fun of a little on my timeline. But I, like they're not gonna know who the mic is. Someone's like never, we've never seen a defense like this before. <laughs> someone's like they just point to the guy in the middle, Stephen. But it also shows you like football is really complicated. And it's about kind of a, I wouldn't call it a remedial comment, but just it's something that he's he might know what it is, but he actually might not really know what it is. He doesn't have to know what it is. Like, he he's he's just in charge of fucking, he owns a goddamn team. Like, most owners couldn't tell you, like, that's not, hell, most fans, most people, and this is my problem with NFL Twitter to defend Stephen Jones, is they think that's, like, normal for people to know. Most people don't know this shit. Like football's really oh, well, complicated. Two, two ga- if, if somebody just casually throws two gapping out on a broadcast, it, it annoys me so well, much. Well, Greg does it sometimes with the personnel. It's like, Greg, no one knows 10 and 21 and 12. Like, it's not, I mean, a nerd football guy. Well, he's not doing this broadcast for the idiots. No, he's not. But he, <laughs> but it's like, it's like when people in basketball do the elevator screens and stuff. Like, people don't talk like that. Well, see, I always loved when Saint would do the the elevator elevator screen. Now, elevator and screens they, do make a lot of sense. They would show what it is, yeah. like the two dudes closing the door. <laughs> By the way, Johnny West got married to Michelle Wee. Uh, I think it was over the weekend wow. this weekend. Well, I saw Steph was uh, Steph was there playing your guy Bob Mahenry in uh, golf. On he must be friends with Johnny West. <laughs> oh, yo, he was Steph was at the wedding. Yeah, well, they played Riviera the day before as like a gotcha. wedding party, like 10, 20 guys or whatever. Gotcha. You know, Johnny West. Steph's Under Armour guy, Bob Mahenry and him, like, played a Stunned. match. Michelle wasn't there? No, she thinks she was with her girls or whatever. It was, just a, it was just a guy's day out. You know what's weird about the Warriors? Like, uh, it's, it isn't even the worst. This is basketball. Johnny West is like a scout, right? Like, basically like an executive in the organization. Like, if I would have still been working for the Eagles and I'm like, I'm, hey, guy, I'm getting married. Like, we're playing golf at this uh, Aronimic in Philly. I'm still living in Philly. Uh, Dallas Goddard. He's in, that wouldn't even, that, Carson Wentz. It'd be Carson Wentz. Yeah, it'd be Wentz. It'd be Wentz. Wentz is coming. Like, that, that would be, I'd get a lot of weird eyes in the, you know, in the building. It would just be weird. You're but saying, it's, it's not it, but it's only not weird in basketball, it's yeah, just, it feels right. normal. Of course, especially Steph for Johnny Steph. West You'd be West. like, exactly. Now, there is also an element of, like, golf really binds a lot of the guys with the Warriors, right? I mean, that's created a pretty tight bond with Steph. Like, him and Johnny West. Johnny West, did he caddy for him at the tournament, the L.A. May? I think he might have because he lives there mm. at the L.A. May place, uh, Stonebray. Like, him, they're just t- they play golf together. But I, I think it would be frowned upon if I was like, you know, I'm the college scouting director of the 49ers, and me and Jimmy Garoppolo just play golf a lot. I just don't know if that'd be yeah, normal. Right. Well, because football's all about cutting a guy after three years. You know? That's true, too. Like, at any moment, like, because someone's like, are we sure that Peterman shouldn't be moving into Carr's house? Jokingly, Raider fans. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just that element of just the cutthroat business. Uh, all right. What? Anything else for the Niner game? Mullen, CJ, Papa? Well, just when he originally came on the television screen and you look up and the Raiders broadcast... I mean, it's, Papa's got a new bag. How incredible was the video of Papa coming around the side like he was 
John Mayer arriving at a concert venue. Do you think his excitement was because, and again, this is factually backed up, that usually more than probably triple the viewers watch the Niner game, so he just knows it's the bright lights, a lot more people watching, or is it just back in the saddle again? He was uh, back in the saddle. He was so giddy. I watched his pregame interview with Vern. They went from Lowe to Vern interviewing Papa, and Greg was so... Like he, phys- his body was moving physically because of the emotion, the positive energy that was just roaring through his veins. I mean, it was. Alyssa was like, "Look how excited he is," and he was. He was so John. He was so he was smiling so much and so wide and was so excited to like. He was fired up for you to see his red. He's like, "Wait till you see my tie at six o'clock!" Like it was incredible. Everything, and then he goes, this, you, "You're not getting this is preseason, Greg Pop." But he went third person, which I can't wait to ask him about. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, it was pretty good. T- Tim Ryan, I think Tim Ryan is really good. I mean, he just knows his shit. He's uniquely embedded in that organization. Knows players. I mean, guy in the history of these preseason broadcasts. Actually, I think Rich Gannon accidentally did it last year with a player, but because they clearly are tight with coaches. He broke Trent Taylor, broke his foot two days ago. And then John Lynch walked in, and I either he either accidentally said it, now it was going to come out, or they had told him to mention it when John, which I, I, I kind of thought that. Do you think they told Tim, like, you can mention this before John comes in so he can say it? Or do you think they not wanted to say it? It was like, he, uh, it was a slip. It's a good question. I mean, ideally, the team releases that information in a press release. But I doubt it was a big deal. But it was going to come out. I saw Trent Taylor last night Instagrammed a picture of his broken foot. Like, it gets out. Because everyone's like, where is he? Because he wasn't even there. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was uh, it was enjoyable. I- I'm interested, by the time you listen to this, uh, of uh, I'm going to do a little do a little digging tomorrow. I want to I wanna get a hold of these numbers. Because they went side by side. Now, it was Niners-Cowboys. Uh, but Raiders-Rams, pretty big game. I'm just interested to see the numbers, guy, on Saturday night. Just uh, what what our people in this area are are viewing. Well, and Greg was a big part of that, right? Like, if you just think about, like, if you said what were some of the headlines going into Niners, Niners and Raiders, something that would matter. Like, Greg, like, just among sports fans in the Bay Area, that was a big deal. Well, I also think that he is going to be the one guy that's going to get people from the Raiders to click over to see what he's doing. I related a little bit I, I in the Russell Crowe Fox News show, and I've read this before. Like One advantage Fox News has always claimed they had, and they I think they get this. They get a lot of liberal people to hate watch them, where you don't get a lot of conservative people to hate watch the liberal shows, where I do think that there's an element of just he's going to get people. It's different because you're not hate watching Greg, the Raider fans that really like Greg but don't like the Niners, but they're kind of coming to see what he sounds like. Yeah, I also think Fox fundamentally just brings – they get – I think they tend to have – do they have more liberal guests than, like, CNN has fair and ba- guests? Fair, fair and balanced. Know. Yeah, I think one of their thing was always – I, th- I think they were big on certain, like, the panels. You're right. I don't know if that's still the case, but maybe I it mean, was originally. Uh, Bill Maher does that, you know. I, I accidentally watched him the other day. <laughs> With Scaramucci? Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, what, what? Would you see Scaramucci? Scaramucci went on and kind of crushed Donald, and then Donald was talking a bunch of shit about him yesterday on Twitter. No, I just saw that he tweeted that he accidentally watched Bill Maher. 
<laughs> and I don't accidentally watch Bill Maher. I just know every time I'm in a hotel room, I'll watch Bill Maher. You're, you're saying Donald tweeted that he accidentally watched Bill Maher. Yeah. yeah and, that, and everyone's like, how do you accidentally watch anything? Well, that, that's Scaramucci was on there crushing Donald. And then Donald yesterday okay. tweeted a bunch of shit calling him the mooch. And, so, you know, it was just it was just classic. I mean, it can't get any pettier. Uh, so, yeah, I, I my takeaway was Greg Papa and the Niners. He's, he, you're right. He's, he's giddy. He's happy. It was fun. Now it's just time. I think they play on Monday Night Football this week. So they're not. Do they practice, are they practicing today? Uh, I don't know if they're – they might be, like, doing a walkthrough or whatever. They, yeah, they're going to Denver this stuff. week. They're doing some joint practices. But when they, do they leave? Well, they don't play till Monday, so maybe they leave, like, Wednesday. Because you probably practice, like, Thursday, Friday. Gonna, okay. I was going to suggest going down there on Wednesday. but I'm serious. Okay. I mean, if they're here. If they're here, I'll go Wednesday. But that sounds like it might be an easy one for me. Maybe next Wednesday. Um, I do think Greg – like, I saw some people, like, is he – did he lose a step? He's not IDing guys fast enough. Well, he just ID'd uh, Jalen on touchdown. I think it's hard when you haven't seen guys from the booth yet and you haven't been able to watch film yet. Like, Greg's a big film. Like, you know this. He's a huge film watcher. It's one of the main things he taught me. Like, you're going to call a game, watch like three or four of that team's games going in. It just helps you, among other things, you know where players are supposed to be. Greg goes a little deeper in terms of, like, scheme than I, than I do. But, uh, well, than anybody does. So, if you were, if, if you you were calling know. an NFL game, Okay, let's just that's that might be a bad example because that'd be that'd be a big fucking deal. Let's just say you were calling like uh, uh, Fowler's out. You're filling in with Herb Street, but it's Oregon Stanford, so they know you know the conference well. If you hadn't done one of their games, how many games would you go back and watch on each team? At least two. Each of the broadcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, because to me, you can watch all 22. It's harder to see the numbers. Are you, are, when again, you sit down, I'm not, you're not doing multiple things. You turn your phone off or whatever and lock into the game? Uh, well, that, I'll probably watch like multiple games, right? Where I'll, I'll, more than that, I'll have games just going. Just because that also helps me hear, like, what, are they, what have they been saying about guys? Like, what's an old story? What's a new story? What's kind of, what have people, because the last thing I want is to talk about something that's been beaten into the ground over the last four games that team has played. But yeah, I will watch. I'll have my board, and I will watch and like ID right, look back and forth, back and forth. You turn, try your, to memorize you turn your phone off when you're doing this. Uh, no. Just, I mean, it's just you know, I'm just talking about distractions, you know. Uh, yeah. So sometimes I'll go to the kitchen and sit at the table in the kitchen where there's no TVs, where I'm not at my desk, where there's just less space. So it's the desk is smaller. It's like a ta- it's a smaller table than the desk is long. And it just it kind of locks me in a little more. Like, would you be able although, to pull? Although this it makes off? the snacks closer, yeah. which is a problem. Like, would you be able to go to Pete's or Starbucks and do this? No, fuck no. Too, I hate that. Stuff. Yeah, too many people moving around. Plus, I gotta I smell like I, everything stinks. I love the smell of coffee, but then I come out of there smelling. That's too much. Go- no, I, that doesn't work for me. I agree. Just people um, that say they go to Starbucks or whatever. If you are trying to focus on something, there's just a lot of movement. Does not work for me. Me either. at all. Uh but uh, the other, like for example, John, I'm doing New Mexico State, Sacramento State, week one. I, there's, I don't know how I'm going to find Sac State video first of all. But it's just by week two when there's when I've got ASU and Arizona, I'll be able to watch their first games. It'll just make it easier to ID guys. Wait, faster. you're doing New Mexico State versus Sac State? No, sorry, New Mexico State, Washington State, week one. Okay, Washington State, Sac State, ASU. NAU I was Arizona. Like, where are they two. broadcasting New Mexico State Sac State? That's yeah. It's, sorry. Would you do that if someone asked? 
I mean, you know, how far do I have to go? How much are they paying? <laughs> you, not a lot. You, you wouldn't do it for free. Uh, no, and I wouldn't travel far to do that. The game better be in sack. So when you do Washington State, how many of the games on Washington State are you going to watch like the last four games of their season? Well, again, it's week, it's week one. So new, different names, different numbers. So I'll go back and watch player. games from last year. But there's only I'll go to practice the day before. But, you know, that's where memorizing numbers helps. But, again, like, you know, Levi's, it's, it's high. He has never called a game. Well, I guess he did. No, he didn't call a game there. He didn't do the – he wasn't the Raiders broadcaster last year when they were there. No. It's high. Well, here's the other thing. Wouldn't you say – they lose a spotter, you know, you, Derek Papa gone. Well, you always told me NBA games are the easiest. You've done Warrior games. You don't need to be like, who is that Clay? Yeah, it's fucking Clay Thompson. You know, who's guarding him? That, oh, Damian Lillard. Look at it. You know, it's pretty. Also, easy. you're usually close enough that you can just eyeball the names on the back of the jersey. But uh, but what's an NBA rotation? Like eight or nine guys, and most yes. of them are famous. So, but well, you- keep in mind, NBA at the most, over the course of a whole game, one team maybe. Maybe we'll play as many players as an NFL team has on the field for one. But think about this. Let's say Greg Papa's doing a week two game against Cincinnati Bengals, 49ers at Cincinnati Bengals. Even like the Cincinnati Bengals, they dress four wide receivers on game day. Who are they? A.J. Green, Boyd, John Ross. Like they're names that just in your vernacular if you follow the sport, right? Let alone the famous guys. Who's their running back? I don't know. Joe Mixon? Who are the 49ers five receivers dressing out? You know, then you kind of get a feel for what they look like. Though, I, I asked Pre-season's you. Preseason's different, though. It is because you got 10, 15 guys a position. And you may have a couple tall wide receivers. Though, it is, I, I, I did see some people, like like you said, Papa's misidentifying them. Because on television, it's really easy for me to see. Of course, that's Chandler. He's enormous. But he the, the vantage point he's coming at, way up top there, new, new player that he's never even seen beside a practice. When we talk to him, the other thing I'm going to ask him, because maybe we'll talk to him this week, I don't know, is, were you nervous? Like, I, you just assume he wasn't. I bet he was really comfortable. I doubt he was that nervous, but if he had a little butterflies, new, you know, just new, wouldn't have shocked But again, that's, me. Where, I, that's be, where I get back fine. to. He knows a lot more people are watching this game. Now, he's done pro games for a long period of time, but that still is like... He'll be, he'll be, this is my early assessment. He'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be an issue. Uh, NFL headlines, John. What else you got? Uh, I got one for you. Okay, go. Uh, I think Matt Gay, the comp, you know, Mitch Wisnowski, by the way, looked very good. No, I didn't see anybody tweeting you mad about a punter yesterday. No. But Matt Gay made a, did he make a 55 yarder, I think, for the Bucks against the Steelers? The Bucks the might other have found Utah, a kicker? The Bucks might have found a kicker. He was with Wisnowski at Utah. So they had two players. Was that guy drafted or was he an undrafted free agent? Um, I, that I don't, I wouldn't shock me if he was drafted because he had a big leg. Like he was, he, he was a finalist for the kick of the year. Basically he was in the mix every year. Cause I say that actually a, set John, it set a record for Heinz field, 55 yarder. That was a, his first NFL kick. That's a pretty incredible accomplishment to more than likely have your punter and your kicker on a good team. Like fifth, fifth rounder. So they had a fourth and a fifth rounder that, that might be a first. Wait, what? Like their punter was a fourth rounder and their kicker was a fifth rounder on a college team. Who was, who, who was their punter? I think you said it was Utah's guy. No, no, I'm saying Wisnowski is the Niners punter. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm I saying the I, I'm, saying I'm the misunderstanding Bucks, what you're saying. The Bucks kicker yes, is from sorry. Utah, right? They were Correct. they were yep, like I, the, ba- the battery version. Who I don't know who their long snapper yeah. was. 
That, that isn't that a pretty incredible special teams room? Just those two guys yes. in college. Yes, <laughs> that's that's remarkable. So yeah, I, that's that's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't know. Even though I've, but I just mean the just the on Bucks Utah having really a quick. Is a big deal. I heard Bruce Feldman. He was on like Colin Saturday, a little podcast. Like usually, like just twenty minutes. He'll just pick a guy and they'll just talk about a specific topic. And he picked Colin. Asked him what he thought his sleeper team was for the playoffs. He thought it was Utah because I guess Kyle. Whittingham yeah, told him it was popular. the best defensive line he's ever had. The running back's a stud. I don't know enough about their team, but are they good? Yeah, that's been a popular um, You're sleeper not... team. It's becoming a popular sleeper team. Sh- well, I Schwar- think Schwartz keeps telling me about it, that I should bet it. Yeah, I mean, look, their their D-line is arguably one of the best in the country. It's super deep is the thing with their D-line. Like, it's really deep. Samoans, Polys, um, or just normal, like, Americans? Yeah, yeah, they, mix, they do have. It a is mix of them both. A number of Polys. Um Interior line, like true interior lineman and pass rusher. Uh, they just, the problem, so they had two linebackers. One was the transfer from Penn State who just retired from football the day before camp for a business opportunity. That's what he told the coach, <laughs> Manny Bowen. The other linebacker I think is pretty good. And they've got Jalen Johnson, who's one of their corners, might be a first-round corner. Like, they've got a legit secondary. Their offensive line's a question. Their receiver's probably going to be okay running back would have come out had he not torn his acl last year to me the quarterback i just don't know if he's consistent enough as a thrower did you yeah. see the clip because what everyone says is if he could like last october he was if he could just do that it's like yeah he was a 70 percent passer for a month so well, you're right you, if he can do that you know my problem with hyping up college quarterbacks because usually the hype comes from their high school stuff and feldman also mentioned this he's like i know a lot of people that were higher on Justin Fields, who's now at Ohio State, who was the number one overall player, than Trevor Lawrence. Hmm. And I said, well, I think a lot of this stuff comes, like the hype as a high school player, just on pure physical ability. So, like, Fields, I think, has a hose, right? Now, one thing was clear when he was at Georgia. He did not know where the ball was going. Like, they don't factor in, well, he's super accurate, because they'll just like, oh, he's going to go to co- college coaching. Well, it's all seven it on seven, John. Yeah, but, it, but he'll know. just go to college coaching and he'll figure it out. I saw Gerald Alexander, you follow him, the DB coach for the Bears? Cal, yeah. He tweeted this morning, I think it's just so true, and it works for the NFL too. He's like, we got a lot of champions in one-on-ones and seven-on-seven, but get to 11-on-11, it can't find a soul. You know, it's just, it's just that happens, and, and they're at the point in camp, you know, they're like a week behind the NFL, so they're starting to learn like who wants it, who doesn't. The NFL had an idea, and then last night, like for example, the, the Niners, like, oh, Richie James! Richie James is going to kick Marquise to the curb. And I, this happened all over the NFL. He hits him in the breadbasket twice and the ball's on the ground. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And I saw a great tweet. Like, uh, whoever the Cowboys third string guy is, like Cooper Allen. I don't even know that Danny White. I thought he was there. It's what, it's, is it Mike, Mike White? White. And, like, I saw Biederman was like, yeah, I don't know if the NFL is a thing for this guy. Like, yeah, this guy had AAF Season 2 written all over him. You get a feel for, I bet if you just followed the Cowboys, like, thoroughly, like we do the, the two teams around here, there would have been a moment maybe in practice, like Danny White or Mike White's having a good practice. He's having a good practice. And then you get to the games, you're like, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. That's the one thing that stands out in preseason is these third-string quarterbacks. Like, I saw uh, one thing for the Raiders, like Glennon and Peterman just peeking up there. Just on a given throw, when both of them just let it rip, you're like, oh, that I see why they got drafted. Like, they can just throw darts. But then Glennon can't move. Peterman can move, but he can also throw the ball kind of anywhere. And that's what's really hard about the preseason is, like, judging these backup quarterbacks. 
when you combine that usually their offensive lines are terrible and their receivers drop every other ball. That's That, to me, is one of the more telling parts of preseason are the receiver drops on just where I think you realize, gives you respect for like the ABs and the Hopkins who make these just catches that are just incredible. But I think we underestimate just how hard a basic catch is in the NFL when you know more than likely a dude's going to tackle you really hard. Because I think that's a big reason a lot of these guys drop it is they think they're just going to get destroyed. And it just, you kind of get the, it's not even, to me, alligator arms when it hits you in the bread basket. It's more, you're just kind of nervous and you're kind of looking, you're just not comfortable. Where in practice, I think you get comfortable with knowing they can hit you, knowing it's not a tackling period, knowing like you're just kind of in a groove. It's like, it's like the driving range for golf. And then you get in the, on the, on the course and it's by hole three, you're like, I don't know. I, 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 I've just lost my entire swing. I had that happen multiple times this summer. Like, I don't know. I, I'm lost. I'm on an island. Well, it, happen, it happened to you at Contra Costa when it, I was there. Yeah, you just lose it. And I think it happens to a lot of younger players. I took a, a great photo of you. You couldn't tell that it wasn't a good swing. Y- yeah, because it feels good. But it's, it's something's off. And it's devastatingly off. I, I, I think the big thing is like looking at Roto World this morning. And this is the counter to the Niners having an issue. Like a lot of players are going down. The Broncos signed Theo Riddick, the running back for the Lions. He fucked up his shoulder. He's out. They also lost Andy Janovich. Like, they're, they're kind of hammer as a fullback. He's one of the better fullbacks in the league. He's out for a while. Well, if that team's going to be competitive, they're going to do two things well, play defense and run the ball. Well, they've lost their running back, and they lost their starting fullback, who is really good. So I, I don't think they can pass. So what if they can't run it? The Broncos could be bad. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty big Which deal. Which we're ready for, yeah. But, like, the Eagles, for example, Lane Johnson, his knee injury. This is why you draft best player available, not depth. If, worst-case scenario, he had to miss a couple games, what who did they draft in the first round? They drafted a left tackle. Who, I mean, they'd have to move around something. But they had they, their first-round pick was an offensive tackle in Andre Dillard, who kind of went viral. I guess he was putting on a clinic against the twos. Who mm. they, they played the Titans. You see Chris Sims. Yeah, Eagles, yeah. Chris Sims was tweeting about this. I wanted to bring this up. I'm glad I didn't forget. Is that I watched a little bit just on and off in the background on my iPad of Titans Eagles. And uh-huh. Mariota just, you know, looks like Mariota. He's like, oh, not bad, but not that's your franchise quarterback. And then Tannehill comes in. Honestly, he doesn't look that much different. And Chris Sims was tweeting. He thinks that Ryan Tannehill is a better version of Marcus Mariota. Like, they might have a problem on their hands because they're probably good enough to make the playoffs. But, like, are, are we sure they're starting the best quarterback? Hmm. And I started thinking about it. Like, when Ryan Tannehill, the one year he was healthy and they had a pretty good team, he, was, he led them right to the playoffs. Now, he ended up getting hurt at the end of that year, but he had a good coach. He had a good team. Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, Jay Ajay, boom, they made a wild card. Like, is Ryan Tannehill maybe a better version of Marcus Mariota? Or is Marcus Mariota just kind of lost some of his confidence is not the same guy? I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on that. I lean Mariota because I think about it like this. When Mariota has been healthy, they have been a consistent playoff type team, right? Every year, like they're 9-7, 10-16. Now he goes out at inopportune times and it hurt. And they like, like last year, they had a winner get in game and he's nowhere to be found because he got injured the previous week. And so Gabbard has to start. But when Mariota's been the starter for as flawed as... I think some people nitpick him because he was the number two overall pick, and that's fair. Like I originally once said, and Titans Twitter came at me with a fury, he's like an hmm. Alex Smith, a little better version. Now, Alex a little more accurate, 
And I think Mariota's a little more talented. So they're kind of just, they're similar players. They're not carriers. If you put them on a talented team like the Titans are, you can win. I think Tannehill is the same thing. Uh, all right, other stuff besides uh, Titans quarterbacks. De- Devin Bush had 10 tackles, John. Yeah, he looks fantastic. Just crushing fools, dominating. I One of the biggest things they've missed since Ryan Cezier had that terrible injury was just a good middle linebacker. That's... I, I, I think the Steelers are going to be pretty good. James Washington, the wide receiver, the kid they drafted from uh, from Oklahoma State, who, by the way, I saw Gundy tweeting this morning, like just, just checking out uh, Browns, whoever the hell the Browns played, Browns Redskins replay, running a bunch of college concepts, love it, at Todd Munkins. I guess hmm. Todd has a Twitter account. So I think the Steelers are going to be good. Now, they did lose. Their wide receiver coach died in the middle of the night. Just, like, died in his sleep. Yeah. And their group is pretty young. You know, and he was a pretty established. I saw, like, Cam Worrell was tweeting about him, a buddy from Fresno who played in the NFL. He's been, he was on the Bears staff for, like, 10 years. He'd been in the NFL for, like, 20 years as a hmm. wide receiver coach. So it's pretty hard when you lose a coach to death. Or, you know, I mean, that's one, it's just devastating for your organization because you've got to know him. Now, he's this is his first year with the Steelers. But two, just from, like, what do you do? A lot of times you don't have an assistant wide receiver coach like the Niners do. I'm not sure if they do. It's just, it's just a tough spot to be in just because it messes with the psyche of the room. I mean, those when you have a really gr- group of, like, Juju, James Washington, they drafted a guy last year, this guy becomes a big part of their life. Right. I mean, that's... They're dependent on this guy to learn like how to live, how to be a pro. That's that can rattle you a little bit. I don't know big big picture consequences what happens, but I, that's tough, man. Cardinals uh, COO arrested for DUI. They have a problem. COO. Yeah. So they lost. They had a player that they gave five million dollars to. They had to cut because he pointed a gun. At a stripper, and that was from the off season, and then their CEO. Well, don't forget they had the, they had the, they had a player who they had to cut because he got pulled over with coke in his car. That happened too. Who's now actually on the Dolphins, I think, and they immediately put him on pup. Robert Kamdiche, their CEO got a Dewey, executive like, VP and COO. Yeah, I, I think their organization. Steve Kime got a Dewey. Like, their GM got suspended for a month last year. Does this guy get suspended for a month? Yeah, I mean, right? Set the I just don't, I don't understand how in that area you just wouldn't... Like, if you're going to go out and have drinks, why wouldn't you just get an Uber? Why don't you're you You're saying because everybody knows they're among all places how strict they are. Yeah, but they, they also have, like... Uh, I mean, in certain parts of Scottsdale, I don't know where this guy lives, like these golf carts that pick you up that operate as taxis. Like, it, it is very drinking-friendly there. Police say they pulled uh, Ron Miniger over for speeding, failure, failure to drive within one lane of traffic, and driving within the bicycle lane. You have a time? Uh, late Saturday night, according to ABC 15 in Arizona. They have had a rough stretch. There's no way around it. Their GM, this guy. It's one thing with your players. 11.30 p.m., John. So it's not super crazy, but right. still... They're a they're a pretty big train wreck. I saw the Lions Trey Flowers mm-hmm. off pup. I mean, he, they they did give him like 
eighteen million dollars a year this offseason hasn't practiced. Now, their preseason game, again, first preseason game, though they had been practicing against the Patriots all week, I think they lost twenty nine to nothing. I mean they got destroyed. Like, to me, it's one thing to get destroyed, whatever you call them. But to not even get, like, in field goal, right? Did they attempt field goals? How do you how do you get your ass they kicked? They go for every fourth down, yeah. How do you get your ass kicked guy to a team that's, like, even if it's an uncommon opponent you've been practicing against? Like, you would think you just have a couple plays. Like, let's run this. We know we can get them on this. That's crazy. Right. How, you can't have seven plays work? If, if you have... Like the Raiders and the and the Rams, both you're like okay, I, they, you're kind of used to each other. Uh, I expect this when the Niners play Denver, both teams should at minimum score a field goal when you've been practicing against the other team. That, that's embarrassing. That's my when people keep. I get a lot a lot of feel like Lions fans DMing me like Middlecoff, you're too low on the on the Lions. Well, bro, I mean, I I'm not disputing your. I don't hate your roster. It's not bad at all. But your coach, are, are we sure he's not going to go down as like the rocket science? Rocket scientist version of Tom Sula. All right, last I, headline I got for you, John. It's a good line. No, we're not. Last headline I got for you. Tim Tebow's uh, season is done. Cut his hand. Fielding a ball. Needed several stitches. Uh, here's his... You want to guess his slash line from uh, AAA this year? 77 games. Okay, uh, I'm going to go... He batted... 227 with an OBP of 287. He hit three home runs and like seven doubles. Okay. And a lot of strikeouts. Uh, so he had an, a batting average of 163. OBP at 240. Not terrible. Close on the homers, he had four. You, How many doubles did you say? I said like seven or something. Yeah, he had 10. How many strikeouts? Uh, so he had 98 strikeouts and 20 walks. Not great. What should, what should be your strikeout to walk ratio be about one to one? One to one's pretty good. So but, if you're like two to one strikeout to walk, it's not terrible. But, as long as you're hitting a lot of home runs. Yeah, but if you're hitting four home runs and it's almost five to one, that's not good. Can we talk about the one Stephen Boat home run for a second? Okay. Because I saw a lot of people commenting to the major league MLB account. They aren't like anti Stephen Vote or pro Stephen Vote. Like, if this isn't a great example of the balls being juiced, like, do you think that home run, which felt had to be the farthest and most purest ball he's ever hit at a high level, and it was absolutely pissed on, crushed? I mean, it was Barry Bonds level destroyed. Is that an example of just a pure swing making pure contact or a little bit juice ball at night, wind been blowing? It, that has to be the farthest ball he's ever hit, right? Purest ball he's ever hit. Um, see, I now look. Every home run, I guess, isn't you could use as an example, but to me, I don't think you could use a guy's purest contact ever as an example. That right, like left-hander. I don't know what the pitch speed was. I don't know if you have the video, but lefty gets a hold of one. Like to me, that's. Don't get, to me extreme distances like what your one outlier is would not be an example. It's like if all of a sudden all your distances are way up. So I don't, I don't personally, I take that personally. I don't like it. <laughs> what do you think about the ball being juiced? Harper's second home run Friday night, 
At first, I was like, oh, it's a pretty good home run. And then you see the replay of where it flew over. It didn't fly over the skinny part of right field. It flew over the thick part of right field, closer to center, and still went in the water. It was tattooed. Yeah, I mean, how about Yastrzemski <laughs> putting up one in Bonds territory? Again, to me, there was a ball hit. Par the ball juiced. Para hit a ball on Wednesday that was like a line drive to left that got out. Like, those are weirder to me than Bryce Harper, who swings as hard as anybody, hitting a bomb. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, Bryce Harper swings as hard as anybody, hits a monumental shot. Well, look how hard he swings. Vote, who's just got just man strength. Show Mojo still working for him. That was a beautiful home run, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to find the home run distances of his. Have you had a chance to watch this weekend screwball? The what? The Netflix show on A Rod and Tony Bosch. No, I have not. No, it's a it's a weird watch, and I, I I wouldn't necessarily like run to it. But if you find yourself just kind of bored and need something to watch one of these days, check it out. More I mean, John's... Of an indi- more of an indictment on A Rod and just his associations. A Rod is a legit like a. Uh, He's not as bad, I think, of a person as Lance Armstrong, but he has some Lance Armstrong to him. Do you He's know just what a better looking version? Do you know what the distance on Vote's uh, home run was? I mean, if I had to guess, four hundred ninety-seven feet. <laughs> no, I mean, did, but did you? I'm sure somebody. I, I haven't seen it. No. Let me see if I can find this real quick. What would you guess? Because I'd guess four fifty. I I'd be surprised if it was four fifty. Um... You don't think it was 450? What's it to the line down there? 360? Yeah. You don't I, think it went another 100 feet? I, I, you, it, it's tricky. You think that it worked? It, like, uh, I'd be surprised. I, I often, do you think those are close to 100% right when they give me distances on stuff like that? Um, I think, so next year they're going to go to, How I do think. How they even do that? Yeah, I think it's a lot of cameras, like some of this where they do stat cast. Next year, they're going to go to Hawkeye for a lot of stuff, which is what tennis uses. I think we'll get some more accurate stuff. Because, like, the ball that Parra hit the other day that just snuck over the wall, there was this readout that said it would have been a home run in only seven other parks, but one of them was Fenway, which it wouldn't have been a home run in Fenway because Fenway has, I don't know, the green monster. So I think there are – like, I, I take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, but I'm trying to find – but I also think that fit the Green Monster is way closer than right field, right? So the way the, the John John, the if you had seen this ball, the ball was never more than twenty feet off. It, there's no way it would have been out. No chance. No chance. Did you see the Vlad Junior single the other day where he just hit the laser and it hit the wall and it yeah. made a noise? Yeah. I've never heard that in all my years of watching baseball. Have you? Uh, no. <laughs> that ball was crushed. That felt like McGuire 98, just hitting whoosh, just seeds. Like, yeah, these guys are on something. Well, it was a single, right? That ball, that's the one you're talking about? Yeah. He, yeah. By the time he ran it first, the dude had already had the ball in his hand. So the longest home run hit this year was 5.05. Um, Andres Galarraga? Vote. It doesn't even give me. See, maybe it didn't update. I don't see vote on here. Yeah, maybe it didn't. Bryce. Uh, but it doesn't tell me which home run it was. The the longest ball that voted hit was four four thirty in twenty fifteen to hit a ball four thirty. 
So if someone can tweet at me and tell me what if they if they saw Statcast on that home run into the water the other day. By the way, did you see? Yesterday, I follow the Cowboys on Twitter, and they had a tweet pregame of Jason Witten, and it showed his head. And I thought he had just shaved his head because he was like receding. It turns out, and I could tell by the angle. He isn't just bald guy. John, I have more yes. hairs on the top of my head than he it's does. A great call. There's none of that like darkness, right? On the he's top. balder than a bat. I was like, oh my god! And someone had tweeted. And I just googled it. Jason Witten hair pictures from last year Monday Night Football. He's one of the biggest bald frauds in the history of bald frauds. Well, I want to know two things, and maybe this is something that just drives me nuts. Did executives tell him to be on television? He needed hair. Are we still living? In times like that, in the 60s and 70s, where toupees were mandated, or was that that he thought he looked better? That's what I want to know, guy. Because if that's executives, that's bullshit. I agree. It would explain why he was uncomfortable if he was being forced to pretend to be somebody he wasn't. What do you think? One, were you were you blown away by how bald he actually is? I was blown away. Yeah, I mean, it goes to show how much I guess he was like combing over. Right. Yeah, the whole thing was fake. No, 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 no. I mean, before, before the fake hair, just back when he was playing football and he would take his helmet off and it was. Oh thin. yeah, I think right. he was really. I think he was like Drew Brees or something, really bald. It was, you know? it, but it, it was thin. It was just really thin. Yeah. Uh, but I was more shocked looking back at the old photo of him on TV. Like, if you're gonna fake it, you don't have to go that strong. <laughs> like you could just have a little, especially you're on TV. No one's looking at the top of your head. Like from the front, thin hair still works. But especially when you're six five, would it have been a big deal if he just would have taken the job and shaved his head though? A big deal to who? Like a big well, deal to anyone I'm, else? No, of course not. Do you think would, it was, did, do you, would it have felt like a big deal to him? I don't know. That's for him to say. But yeah. I, do you think the executives who historically have always wanted hair because they think people look better? You know, it's a, it's a Hollywood thing. I get it. Even though you know we've broken that myth. And that stigma over yeah, time. Yeah, I thought we. You thought rocks. you know we thought it's it's hurtful to. We thought Bruce we'd come a lot further. You know, we, you know the Hasselback brothers are on television. We, we've come, we've we've made progress, guy. But that one was I, that was insane. I mean, he he went like Howard Cosell, nineteen sixty, just thing up, plopped it on his head. Honestly, how could he walk into that building with a fucking fake? bird thing on his head and feel confident in himself he knows he's a fraud and he hangs his hat on being like a tough guy old school that's fraudulent so i might give him a little bit of a pass that thing on his head ruined him i was embarrassed and a little hurt because he wasn't just a balding guy like he's legit bald like he's a member of the community he's balder than me guy he's legitimately balder than me is he because i have hairs on top of my head i can feel them right now Problem is, they're just probably like 400 total. He's got like a true bald guy. He's probably a couple years older than me. Or they have nothing. Right. I, I'm kind of just jealous. a true I, shine. Yeah, like I, if, no if I went on camera, if I went on camera and grew it out for two days, it would look like I have a cul-de-sac. But I legitimately have hairs. He has none. And I like my cousins. A lot of people have none. Some people have some. Like my dad always had a few, even in his older age. It's, it's, I wish I had none. I wouldn't. Even, I have to shave the top of my head. So I'm I'm down on Jason Witten. How, what about being up on him now that he's found himself? How about that? Yeah, I'll give him some credit. 
Well, because he was, it's it's easy in the locker room and just the guy. Like guys don't judge that way. It's, well, it's, yeah, if you had to debut your baldness on Monday Night Football, it's it's a little it's a little tougher. But you're Jason Witten. You know, you're getting it's like you're bald. Everybody's you're a good human, looking man. bald guy. You're married. Everybody's human. Just another human. He's no different. Can you imagine what LeBron's gonna be wearing on TNT in like ten years? <laughs> He'll probably have long hair. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what I won't have. Hair on my body because I'm going to use manscaped.com. I'm telling you people, manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Uh, it's not even that loud. Yeah, the neighbors don't know what you're up to. No. Also, ease, ease wellness. You know, you know our peeps. Tell all your friends. <laughs> Later. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.